Good evening. I'm Rick Cottom. Welcome to your Maryland. In the summer of 1814, Admiral Sir Alexander Cochrane, commanding all British forces on the American station, had with him two remarkable men. The first, Admiral George Coburn, in charge of British naval forces in the Chesapeake, was irrepressible, colorful, and a terror on the bay. The Americans hated him so much they put a bounty of $1,000 on his head and $500 on each ear. The other, General Robert Ross, commanding 4,000 British regulars, fresh from victory over Napoleon, was Coburn's polar opposite. A native of Ireland with a bachelor's degree from Trinity College, Dublin, Ross had served with the Duke of Wellington in Spain. Everyone who met Ross admired his quiet confidence and chivalry. Wellington loved him, and so did his men. So, too, did his wife, Elizabeth. At the end of February 1814, while fighting in France, Ross received a severe wound in his neck. From Bilbao on the north coast of Spain, Elizabeth rode a mule across the Pyrenees to nurse him back to health. When he left for America at the end of June, his wound had not yet healed, and she was distraught. Ross, Coburn, and their small force sailed up the Potomac, landed at Benedict, and marched through Upper Marlboro. They were to be careful, but American resistance was so light, Ross began to believe he could actually take Washington. Naturally, Coburn was all for it. The idea was too risky for Admiral Cochrane, but after 25 years in the Army, Ross knew an opportunity when he saw it. Ross and Coburn, the cool hand and the hothead, advanced against orders. Sure enough, the next day they routed the Americans at Bladensburg, then marched into Washington. Ross sent out a flag of truce to assure the residents they would be safe, but the Americans opened fire from ambush near the capital and shot his horse out from under him before being driven off. Ross, Coburn, and a company of sailors then entered the president's house, ate the meal set for James Madison, and afterward put Washington's public buildings to the torch. Coburn was simply beside himself. That night, as British officers sat down to dinner in a private home, Coburn burst in the front door on his mule and doused the candles, saying he preferred to dine by the light of the burning treasury building across the street. After a safe return to the ships, Ross couldn't believe his luck. Our arms have been crowned with a success that I had no reason to expect, he wrote Elizabeth. He told her to keep an eye out for his friend Captain Harry Smith, who was just leaving for England with news and would call on her. This war cannot last long, he wrote. We then meet, never again to separate. The fleet turned north toward Baltimore, and Ross took the army ashore at North Point. When told he was about to meet large numbers of American militia, he said he didn't care if it rained militia. The next morning, September 12th, he ate breakfast with a Maryland farmer. The man asked if he'd be returning for supper. No, Ross said. He'd dine that night in Baltimore or in hell. With Coburn at his side, Ross was once more leading his battalions when he ran into another American ambush. This time his horse was spared, but a rifle ball smashed his right arm and entered his chest. An aide gently lowered him to the ground. Ross took a locket from his neck and handed it to Coburn. Give that to my dear wife, he told his friend. Just then, Coburn spotted an American rifleman taking aim from behind a tree. He stood up, shook his fist, and roared, You damned Yankee, I'll give it to you. Frightened, the man ran off. Gently, they placed Ross on a cart for the journey back to the ships. Later, Coburn would insist it was that ride that killed him. On September 27th, Harry Smith reached London and brought the joyous news of Washington's burning to the Prince Regent. He and his wife then traveled to Bath, where they found Elizabeth Ross in high spirits. It would be weeks before any of them learned about North Point and the ambush. By that time, Robert Ross's body had been shipped to Halifax in a hogshead of rum. There he was buried, 
And there he remains to this day.